Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to The Tonight Show. The Thaw returns after the holidays as politicians face the big issues and clash over the cost of living crisis. Tonight, Sinn Féin brings a motion before the Dáil calling for the introduction of a targeted, time-limited mortgage interest relief scheme. If the government is going to do something in this space, well then we want it to be targeted and, and we want it to get, to get money to the families that need financial support the most. TDs returned amid angry protests, including a mock gallows at the gates of the Dáil. Also on the programme, a proposal to make teachers mark their own students in state exams has been shelved because of the threat posed by artificial intelligence. ChatGPT was not part of our, of our world and we have to acknowledge that it is there and we in education are grappling with it in a similar fashion that other sectors are grappling with it also. And is cash still king in our society? We discuss as public bodies are ordered to keep taking cash payments. It all returned from its long summer break today with concerns about the cost of living crisis, housing and health dominating exchanges. TDs were escorted from Leinster House by Garthi amid angry far-right protests. 13 arrests were made over the course of the day. Well, inside the chamber, government and opposition figures clashed over the cost of living crisis. Tonight, Sinn Féin brings a motion before the Dáil calling for the introduction of a targeted, time-limited mortgage interest relief scheme for hard-pressed homeowners. To provide mortgage interest relief for everybody would be enormously expensive. Uh, and so if the government is going to do something in this space, uh, well, then we want it to be targeted and, and we want it to get, to get money to the families that need financial support the most. Well, I'm joined on my first panel tonight by Jim O'Callaghan, Fianna Fáil TD, Sinn Féin TD, Ono Bryn, and Ashley Maloney, who is a political correspondent with the Irish Daily Mail newspaper. You're all very welcome along to the programme tonight. Now, as I said, there were angry and ugly scenes at the Dáil today as politicians were escorted from Leinster House amid far-right protests. Independent TD Michael Healy Ray's parliamentary assistant had her phone stolen. He's on the line now to tell us what happened. Uh, Michael Healy Ray, thank you for joining us on the programme tonight. A video circulating on social media shows you being flanked indeed by Garthi as you try to make your way from Leinster House down Kildare Street. Uh, can you outline what happened to you and indeed to your parliamentary assistant who is an intern and on her first day in the job? Yes, uh, I'd like to thank you for the opportunity and I'd like to say, first of all, to take this away from me and just think about a young lady that's here from America uh, learning about Irish politics. And on her first day, she was pushed, she was shoved, uh, and her phone was stolen from her. And she was subjected to all that language and listening to what was said uh, outside of the doll today 
I think that the people that were there today, they should look at what they have done today and what they have portrayed themselves as. I, I can remember when up to 20,000 highly respectable men and women, farmers from around Ireland, came up to Dalian protesting. They made their point in a very peaceful but strong way. And they were heard by government and they were heard by opposition. They were fine, respectable, working people that came to the Dáil to have their voices heard. We have disabled groups. We have all different types of people coming to the Dáil. And I love to see people outside the Dáil making us listen to them and to work for them. That's one, what we one are of the for. issues that we saw was that people were indeed coming with their own grievances and the protests that generally greet the first day back in the Dáil and they were unable to protest because of, of what actually happened today, uh, which essentially resulted in, in a blockade and 13 arrests, in fact, um, being made. From your point of view, are you shaken by what happened? No, I'm not one bit shaken by anything that people, when they engage in thuggish behaviour, they won't upset me at all. Or if they think they did, I'm afraid they're only making fools of one person and that's themselves. But like I say, are they proud tonight to upset a young person of 20 years of age on her first day, officially assigned to Dalian under an official uh, interim programme and to think that she was subjected to that, that's wrong. And, you know, they should hang their heads in shame to be engaging in that type of behaviour. That's not protest. That's not proper or normal behaviour. They shouldn't have to do that. What made it different in your eyes um, to regular protests? Because I noted that you, you did tweet, I've no issue with protesting, never have, never will. But you can see from the video circulating, uh, and judge for yourselves if it was acceptable. Yes, and I'd ask people to look at that and see, do they think that's normal? And to be using that type of language, you don't have to use dirty, bad language to make your point. You don't have to shove people. There were there was a bottle thrown at Gardaí there today. I mean, that no guard sh- should have to put up with that type of behaviour either. Our guards are there working for us. They're to keep law and order. They don't have to be subjected or shouldn't be subjected to that type of behaviour. And uh, I, I just think it's wrong on so many fronts. But the only people that should be ashamed of what they do, did today is the people that were there engaging in that right. type of activity. But, but to all of the other sectors of society that want to come and protest and have their voices heard, they should keep coming to the job and they okay. should call out their politicians and say, come out here and listen to us. And we always will. All right. But okay. not, not to this type of behaviour. All right. OK, Michael Healy, right there we leave it. Thank you for joining us on the line tonight. Thank you. Well, the rest of my panellists here with me, Ono Bryn, Jim O'Callaghan and Ashling Maloney. Um, Ono, I want to come to you first because um, we heard there from Michael Healy Ray and uh, he had to be as they, uh, accompanied by Gardaí down the street and everything that happened, uh, both him and his parliamentary assistant. But other politicians were targeted too today. Um, your image was among those put up on these mock gallows. W- what did you make of that? Look, first of all, people absolutely have a right to protest uh, at the Dáil. Uh, and in fact, the Dáil is the right pe- place for people to protest alongside government buildings. Uh, and I defend people's right to protest peacefully, whether they're protesting against government or even when they're protesting against uh, uh, things that Sinn Féin argues for. But what all of those protesters need to understand, and the vast majority do, is the Oireachtas is a working place. We have a whole host of working people, cleaners, uh, cooks, uh, ushers, people whose job it is to 
move freely from the building. We have the staff, and, and Michael uh, rightly outlined uh, what happened to, to his staffer today. But also as politicians, we have a mandate. And, mm. and if people don't like what I stand for, that's fine. Right? Not only can they protest, they can campaign against me in an election, uh, and we'll elect the electorate decide. So what really concerned me about today was there was an element to that protest which was very, very nasty. And in fact, I know Michael didn't want to put the attention on him, but Michael was assaulted. I watched that video twice. Michael and the two guards who were assault, uh, moving him out of that crowd were assaulted. My own colleague, Dunnock O'Leary uh, uh, from Cork, was physically prevented from getting into the dog mm. to do his job and represent the people uh, of his uh, constituency. Uh, and therefore, I suppose my, my concern in the first instance is there is a nasty turn to those protests. We also have people who wanted to come into the Oireachtas today to lobby politicians around budgetary measures or policy issues. Some couldn't come in, some are very nervous coming in. That is not the way to do it. So, like Michael, I absolutely defend people's right to protest, irrespective of what they're protesting about. But some of the scenes that we saw today in the Oireachtas are not acceptable. And here's the worst thing. We shouldn't even be talking about this. We should be talking about the crisis in housing, in health, the the appalling uh, Mm. goings-on in Temple Street. And I know we'll get to that, but we will eat up a portion of time. And some of these protesters say they're against the government, yet they are distracting from us actually having a proper debate about the issues that we actually were debating in the Dáil, which is the issues the vast majority of people want us to be discussing here tonight. Okay, did you take any issue, though, with with your, your image... Essentially, it was, a, it was an effigy on, on, on these mock gallows. Yeah, uh, me, does that concern you? I mean, do you think something should be done about that? And for me... I mean, do you think there, I mean, that there are calls that, you know, Gardaí, I suppose, to date have taken what, what some would describe as a soft-handed approach when it comes to, to protests. Do you believe something more should have been done there in, in the instance of those um, images um, being put up in placards? Look, the, 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 the policing the protests, I'll leave, leave to Angarda Shiakana. Mm. What I will say is this. Are we really saying that if we disagree with the view of a politician, whether it's me or any of the other politicians on that uh, uh, mock gallows, that it's acceptable to suggest that they should be hung for their views? And the irony is, some of the people who were directly involved in, in that mock gallows are people who claim to be in favour of free speech, in claim, claim to be in favour of human rights, mm. And yet, whether they're in Dublin trying to intimidate politicians or in Cork trying to intimidate library staff and prevent families from bringing their children in to read books, they somehow see themselves as patriots. That's not patriotism. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm not particularly worried from my own point of view. All right. But what I am worried about is people being able to access the door to protest, to lobby or to go about their okay. work, and that has to be protected. Yeah, and one of the things that, that has been commented upon, that it, this is not the first of these sort of protests that we've seen. Um, you mentioned there about protests taking place outside our libraries and elsewhere. They haven't got as much traction. You know, 13 arrests were made today. Yeah. Uh, and the argument has been that there, haven't, there hasn't been, you know, that, that the, those arrests haven't been made when staff, in that instance, at libraries and, and, and in other uh, workplaces have been targeted. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, I haven't seen a protest as nasty as the protest today since I've been elected to the Dáil in 2016. But I think it's also important to point out, Claire, that it's a very small crowd of people there. There was about 200 
300 people there. They're not representative of the Irish public. And as others have said, people are perfectly entitled to come to Dáil Éireann to protest. And about once a week when I'm coming into the front of Dáil Éireann, there'll be people there protesting. They make their point very forcefully to government TDs such as myself, but they're always respectful. They're never abusive. They're never intimidating or they never seek to harass. What happened today, when you look at what happened to Michael Healy Ray, and of course, there are other people who didn't get the attention Michael did because they're not as well known as him. But there were other staff members, no doubt, who were harassed. There were other members who worked in Leinster House yeah. who were harassed. So it's just not acceptable. And I'm pleased to hear that the Gardaí have arrested people. And I also think it's important to point out the, the representation of this in the public is that the people who are in Dáil Éireann don't represent the Irish people. We're corrupt, we're traitors to the Irish people. Mm. The reason why people are in Dáil Éireann is because hundreds of thousands of people voted for us to get in there. Right. And as Owen said, we can be thrown out at the next election, but I think it is important that we recognise that we have to value our democracy and that the people who are elected to Dáil Éireann, you can criticise as much as you want, but we do come with a democratic mandate. Okay. Interesting, um, Jim was saying, the worst he's ever seen um, in terms of protests. And indeed, I mean, you could take it from 13 arrests being made, a blockade of that sort that we, we, we haven't, we haven't um, seen the like, maybe in recent years at least, um, um, Ashling. But, you know, it's interesting as well because politicians say when these protests are taking place outside accommodation, you know, earmarked for refugees and elsewhere, you know, if you've got a gripe, take it to Leinster House. And, and that's what we saw today. And I suppose the, the talk all around Leinster House today was about what was happening outside. And it wasn't the forefront thing. There were obviously other budgetary issues and, and uh, issues of the day taking people's uh, minds. But of course, people were talking about how would they get in and out of the building. And we've heard that. And, and to hear that it's one of the most nastiest protests that you've ever seen, Jamie, in your, in your years in, in Leinster House is quite an indictment of what happened there today. And as you say there about taking those protests to Leinster House, we saw that there uh, today. You talked about the message coming from those protesters. It's not clear, I suppose, when you see groups maybe coming to protest um, MICA um, a defective concrete um, or the defective apartments or childcare, you know what their message is and they're trying to get a, a point across. But this is a mixed message here from these people. Some talking about that uh, refugee centre that was planned for Ballybrock in South Dublin um, and then others, you know, in general talking about corrupt politicians. So it's a mixed message and we don't know what they're really looking to do other than to possibly cause, cause a ruckus and which is what happened today. Yeah, interesting as well about, you know, the Garda approach in, in future with this because there has been um, that criticism about the policing approach because to date it's strategically been soft-handed soft um, in order not to, I suppose, amplify uh, the views of people and to cause, you know, further disruption and, yeah. and, and further anger. But interesting too that 13 arrests were made. So maybe a signal of potentially a changing strategy here. I suppose with the with the people there and how nasty it was and how obvious that that that, that kind of vitriol went with, with the noose and the gallows, it, it, it kind of reached a pitch mm. that possibly hasn't in other areas. But there have been arrests at some of those um, protests outside potential refugee sites. And also, you know, librarians have been bringing that up with their union about having better mm. um, Garda, uh, I suppose, visibility or, or just a better Garda mm. response when those incidents arise nobody wants someone to come into their workplace and shove a phone in their face, which is what 
they do, these people who are protesting those mm -hmm. certain books being shown in libraries. And that's a lot of what that protest was doing today. There was a lot of phones out filming, you know, filming the Gardaí doing their job. From the very early hours of this morning when I went into Leinster House, the crowd was only kind of beginning to really to bolster at that time. And there were already phones out filming those Gardaí at the very start of their day. In fairness, we, we talk about the harassment and mistreatment of politicians. What the Gardaí have to put up with is outrageous, like the level of abuse that's directed towards the Gardaí. And in fairness to them, they're trying to balance two things. They're trying to facilitate people from by having a peaceful protest. At the same time, they're trying to facilitate access and egress from Leinster House. And it's a difficult right. task for them. But uh, if people don't obey directions of Angarda Siakana in order to facilitate people to leave or to come, well, then they're breaching the Public Order Act and I'm pleased to see that there were okay. arrests. All right. Let's move on to matters um, political now and also medical because we want to talk about the issue of the spinal surgery scandal and the Health Minister, Stephen Donnelly, has been speaking in New York tonight um, about this controversy and he defended his presence at the UN saying the issue at home was getting its full attention. He spoke to our news correspondent, Sarah King. I'd be very happy to meet the families. The, 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 the first thing that I wanted to establish uh, when we were advised of this was that there was full open disclosure done with all of the families in the first instance. And as any parent, uh, as, the, as the father of the three children myself, it is, it is unspeakable. It is absolutely heartbreaking and devastating, uh, and it should never have happened. There is a full review now in terms, a clinical review, uh, in, terms of, uh, in terms of that to establish what exactly uh, did happen, but as a as a father myself, my heart is broken for them. That was Stephen Donnelly speaking in New York today. Um, Ona Bryn, uh, we also heard that that Stephen Donnelly was aware about of this in August, and it's reported that the Taoiseach uh, was unaware when the health minister knew about it in August. He he has been unaware about it, uh, and and the health minister also has said that he wants more detail on it. Um, one, do you believe that he should not be speaking about this in New York and he should be back home to, to, to deal with it? Um, and I suppose the second question is around detail and about those politicians being in the know about such a scandal. Well, the first thing is, before we talk about politicians, we have to talk about the people involved and their families. Uh, and uh, while a number of families have been contacted, there are many, many more families out there uh, who are concerned and who have questions. So the first thing we need to see is we need to see the HSE provide every single possible support uh, uh, to the young people and the families affected. That's the first thing. The second thing is we need to ensure that the expert-led review uh, that is now happening is as comprehensive as possible because mm -hmm. it needs to look beyond Temple Street uh, at all of the various facilities and all of the issues involved. The CHI report that was released this evening uh, on the basis of the assessment of, of those 16 cases is truly shocking, 75%. Uh, 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 of surgeries resulting in post-surgery uh, uh, mm -hmm. infections, uh, multiple return visits to hospitals. I mean, let's not forget who we're talking about. We're talking about, in many cases, children who wait years uh, for access to treatment that is life-altering, and the longer it takes to get it, uh, uh, the more yeah. profound impact And we did have patient advocates on. So, so the first thing is... But it, on last night sure. saying, you know, at the background of all of this is so, their fight for this surgery so the first, and, the, and the wait for this surgery to to The second, uh, to, the to second thing that's really important is this, because obviously now we have a reduction in the capacity in Temple Street. We potentially have a reduction of capacity elsewhere. So we also need to see the Minister of the Department of the HSC ensure as quickly as possible that can be addressed. I do think the Minister 
needs to come before the Oireachtas. Mm. Uh, uh, Should colleague. he be back here now to deal with it? Given that he's known about this since uh, August, uh, I think it would have been proper. But right. I think what's more important is we need him in the Health Committee. We need to go through the detail of this. But the families and the young people and children affected need to get the support and those waiting for uh, the surgery need to get it as quickly as possible and all options for the provision of that surgery need to be on the table. Mm -hmm. That has to be the absolute priority from here going forward. It's a devastating insight, I think, the report tonight into the lives of these patients and their families. In one case, um, patients had to return up to 33 times to theatre after serious post-surgery complications. Mm -hmm. um, the question is, should Stephen Donnelly... He was informed about this in August, as we say. Should he have been back and before the doll, dealing with this, dealing with the scandal, dealing with the controversy and talking to the patients' families now? I, I don't think we should try to politicise this by putting the focus on the minister. I think we do really need to consider mm. what they're the, in, in but the, the interest. But the families have. The I families know. have said, look, we, our children are being ignored. I, I know. Well, we need to stop that. But, like, the minister just coming back to appear in the doll isn't going to be the solution to this. When you look at the fact that we've had 19 children and families who went through an extremely serious and traumatic event, particularly the family of Dulcina Carter, who tragically died. It's like we need to put at the top of our political priority what's in the interests of the families. And the first thing... Well, absolutely, and they yeah. will say they have been ignored I'm, for years. Okay. For, for years. And the waiting list, and we've heard it across, you know, news programmes, countless, you know... Um, Media shows that people have had to phone into programs say, "Look, my, my child can't get the I, surgery." I know, but the, the issues, scoliosis. Yeah, and the issues covered by the report, of which the minister was informed in August, really only came to the minister's knowledge in August. Yeah. And they're the issues that are about what appears to be mm. malpractice and potentially negligence in the children's health and Ireland, broader, particularly up in Temple Street. And on the broader issue, is there an admission of failing these families? And I'm not talking specifically about this, about about this incident and this particular surgery okay, controversy. What, what it sounds to me from the treatment that was afforded and from the review that's been carried out by Boston Children's Hospital, that yes, these families and their children didn't receive mm. the level of surgical competence that they would have expected. But like, I also think we need to look at the fact that the Minister has today allowed for the publication of the Boston Children's Hospital report. That's the external report. It's a, he's published the internal report. And there's also a separate external review being conducted by an experienced UK practitioner. So like, the families want information. We have an obligation to provide right. that to them. And let's not turn it into a political football. And can I say, I know Stephen Donnelly, when he comes back, of course he's going to come before the health committee. Mm. And of course he's going to answer questions in the doll. And that's correct, as it should be. But let's get the information before we turn it into just a slagging match between politicians. And, and what Stephen Donnelly was saying in New York there is that, you know, like whether I'm making the calls to the CEO of CHI and the CEO of, of um, the HSE, I'm, I'm still on, on the job. But I suppose the perception then for the families and those interested I suppose in, in this crisis is that it seems like reactionary response again because you've got these reviews and now you know the HSE Stephen Donnelly said I've asked for them to broaden the review to spina bifida scoliosis mm. and other uh, paediatric or orthopaedic surgeries but again it seems to people but you know why didn't you why wasn't this something that you employed in August when you heard about it um, and also this paediatric expert that's arriving in Ireland on Monday I mean that's as you say to those uh, families that's not a, not a great consolation 
congratulations to those who have been affected by it already. Yeah. The review is ongoing, it's happening, you know, and the health minister isn't in the doll to answer questions uh, from yeah. politicians and hammer home what those families really want, the point they want to make. The focus will clearly be on this. Um, I want to talk about also what, we, what was being discussed in the doll today, something Sinn Féin is pushing really hard on, Ona Brain, and that's on mortgage interest relief. Um, you'd like to see it across the board. Um, does it matter how much money you're earning or or whether you whether you have nothing, whether you're in arrears or whether you can well afford to pay that mortgage interest relief should be given across the board? Is that the feeling? Well, first of all, we want to be given to those people who have been hit by 10 consecutive uh, interest rate rises and they're a very particular cohort of mortgage holders who have trackers or variables. Uh, the proposal we've made is very reasonable because it would be 30% of the increased interest charge capped at €1,500 over a defined period of time. And the difficulty is the vast majority of those mortgage holders are working people already under enormous strain and pressure from the mm. cost of living. This would put much needed money back in their pockets. And the really frustrating thing is this has been going on since the first interest rate hike. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. June or July of last year, the time for action was actually long gone. And my big worry is, while the government are now beginning to make soundings, what I'm hearing from government is they might reintroduce some kind of weak mortgage interest supplement that very, very few people well, will get and it's a small amount of money. We don't know yet and I'm sure Jim has less So you believe, idea. just sorry, to clarify this, that it should, be, it should be universal across, you know, for, for those, for variable rate and for, tracker mortgages. For, so that's an awful lot of people. It's going to cost an awful lot of money. What about uh, accusations that this could feed the inflationary cycle, if you like? The difficulty is this. Uh, these are families in the main who right now have to decide, are they going to pay the voluntary contribution for their children in school? Uh, are they going to be able to provide uh, uh, for uh, other activities for the children in university? In some cases, particularly modest income working families, it's a choice of eating or heat or the mortgage. So the easiest and quickest way to do this, and sure, it's expensive, it's a temporary measure. When we costed it earlier this year, for eight months, it would cost 400 uh, uh, million euros. Uh, but 
given the scale, 10 in increases, for many of these people, it's between three and €6,000 extra a year. This is the easiest, quickest and most effective way to give these All people right. some short-term relief. Jim, I want you to respond yeah, to well, yeah, quickly. Easy, quick and effective timing well, of the essence here. Listen, the government is well aware of the cost of living pressures and in fairness, when you look at previous budgets, they've responded to that. In terms of mortgage interest relief, that's an issue I raised today with the Governor at the Central Bank, who was before the Finance Committee. And I asked him, did he have a concern as to whether or not mortgage interest relief would add to inflationary pressures. He doesn't have an objection in principle. And a number of weeks ago, I suggested that the government should look at a targeted and temporary form right. of mortgage interest relief. But targeted, relief. And not across the board. You wouldn't agree with anything targeted, Sinn Féin or I know that Michael uh, McGrath has given consideration to it. The government are preparing the budget. Obviously, they're not going to announce it today, but there will be an announcement in respect of it, I would hope, at budget time. Do you, and the do you accept some in need may slip through the net? Listen, legislation schemes, you always right. discriminate against people. That's what legislation is. You provide for certain groups of people, and unfortunately, people at the edges are always going to be left out of it. But it has to be designed, a target. Is that right? Legislation is about discriminating, we're going to say that. Not if it you is about defining certain groups of people properly. who are entitled to a measure. And unfortunately, at the peripheries of those measures, there'll always be some people who miss Claire, out. I, but I, also I, to make I, the point that if you I spend this, 400 million euro on mortgage interest relief in the budget, like you're proposing um, in Sinn Féin, then you have to, you can't spend it on energy credits or whatever. The envelope only goes so far. And that is what the central bank were saying, but, that the government need to make sure that that envelope doesn't go any further than they said it was going to go, or else you'll be working against what the ECB are trying to do with those interest rate hikes. Be, be very clear. There's so is that cohort, your priority? Would that be your priority spend there's, then? There's a cohort oh. of people who always get left behind from government schemes which say they're targeted but really what they are is they're simply underfunded. We have to make sure that those working families out there who are doing everything right, who very rarely get access to any of the poorly designed schemes of government, get this relief. And as a targeted temporary measure, there is funds to do it now. Let's do it and let's help these families. Okay, there we'll have to leave that. My thanks to Ashling. Jim and Owen are staying on with me. Coming up next... Leaving cert reforms impacted by artificial intelligence. Is AI coming for all our jobs? Hope not. Stay with us. Welcome back, Jim O'Callaghan, Finafall TD, Ono Brinch and Fain TD are still here with me. I'm also joined now by Adrian Weckler, tech editor with Independent.ie and the ASTI General Secretary, Kieran Christie. And on Skype, we're joined by Blonnet White, Director of Strategic Learning at DCU, because we want to talk about the Leaving Cert reform and a barrier that's put in the way of teacher assessments. And we're told by Norma Foley, it's all down to AI or artificial intelligence that the pause has now been placed on, on teachers assessing um, leaving cert assessments, that proposal that was originally there, the original plans by the Department of Education. And I want to bring the panel in on this. And first of all, Adrian, let's talk about the AI issues um, in education. Norma Foley has obviously flagged it. The ASTI heard about it this morning. So all plans for teachers to assess their own students are off, all because of the great big artificial intelligence bogeyman in the room. Um, how big a threat is it, do you think? It's a threat in the sense that it's clear that teachers in the educational system may not feel that they're ready for it yet. Now, I'm talking about the secondary school system in particular. Third level and in college, 
there is an understanding that generative AI, so we're talking about systems like ChatGPT, for example, exists and it's here to stay. You can't put that back in the box. It, they treat it psychologically a little bit similarly to having an, an open book exam, for example. They've also started to develop defenses against it by using um, AI generation detectors like Turnitin or GPT-0. So they're fairly established systems. They've accepted that AI is here to stay. The rest of us at some point are going to have to accept that AI is here to stay and it's going to be here for secondary school students as well. Okay, the question is then, was this an easy, an easy out? I mean, uh, Kieran, from your point of view, you heard about it this morning. Uh, you must have been very pleased. Well, we don't think uh, it's an easy out. Now, uh, the fact of the matter is we would argue that the minister's announcement was made on the 29th of March in 2022. And for your audience, that's six months prior to the, even the advent of G ChatGPT. Nobody had ever heard of it. Mm. So logic would dictate it, we would think, that, you know, when something so disruptive to the whole concept of examinations and assessment, both at second and third level, would come along that a proposal that was hatched many months prior to it coming along would, would at least pause and take a sharp intake of breath and see where does this leave us. So now, you would have lobbied the minister on this particular issue and your, your fears around artificial intelligence, meaning that a student could go off and do their you know, continual assessment, their, their project work, if you like, and just use uh, ChatGPT to do well, it. Well, our, our, our strong opposition to teachers assessing their own students for certificate examination purposes is well known and was well known long before ChatGPT came along. But certainly we did lobby the minister at her meetings and her officials that ChatGPT was essentially a game changer in all of this, irrespective of perspectives. Mm. Yeah, interesting though, some would say that also it, it may have just suited to keep things as they are in terms of not pursuing the reforms that were promised. Well, I don't accept that. Uh, we think it's a sensible move. Uh, we would have thought it was a sensible move if ChatGPT never came along. Uh, we will concede that point for certain. But uh, uh, the truth of the matter is that uh, with ChatGPT now on the pitch, it's just not viable, that, oh, right. that okay. situation of, of teachers assessing their well, own Jim, students for that, certification I'll, purposes. I'll put that to you because the teachers would have been very pleased today to hear that they wouldn't have to assess their own students' work and, and that that would go towards a leaving certificate grade. Was it an easy out for, for Norma Foley in this instance? She could say artificial intelligence, big global threat, and hey, we're not going to get teachers to mark their own students' work. No, I don't think so. I think, in fact, it was quite a brave decision by her, but it was also the correct decision. Like, obviously, as Kieran has spoken about, ChatGPT wasn't really around at the time they were talking about reform of the leaving certificate. The minister made the correct decision. Like, there's obviously huge opportunities and challenges from artificial Oh, Isn't that the very point? And that's like what Adrian is saying, like there's, that this is with us, the genie's out of the bottle. I know, but we need to protect our education system, in my opinion, from the, I suppose, some of the oddities that can be created by artificial intelligence. Like we can't have a situation where students in the Leaving Certificate are asked to do a project for history or in science and they're simply going to go to artificial intelligence, put in the name Vanessa, and that's printed out. We need to protect the okay. integrity of the say, Leaving Someone would say that. there were these fears about the advent of the internet as well and Google uh, and search engines. I think, I think this is significantly in a, in different. In a similar way, you, significantly you, different you can ask well, questions well, and get answers. What I do hope, however, is that this doesn't result in an end to the discussion about reform of the Leaving Certificate. I'm a member of the Education Committee. Mm. Last May, we published a report 
on the Education Committee in respect of reform of the Leaving okay. Certificate. Like we weren't aware, like the Minister of the Threat and the challenge posed by AI. But one of the things we spoke about in the report was how there needs to be written assignments which would be supervised in the class by the teacher or marked elsewhere, and also oral presentations by the kids. So there are areas that we need to look at to ensure that All we right. have a well, modularisation I mean, And I'm going to ask on this. I mean, that's what was promised, a kind of a reform. Uh, teacher assessments, and that would go towards the grade. It was to, uh, designed to take the pressure off students. Um, there's been complaints about the Leaving Cert in its current form for decades. Uh, what do you make of um, AI being a threat to the integrity of the Leaving Certificate as it is? Well, first of all, just to say, as somebody who didn't sit a Leaving Cert and then went to London to do, to do A-levels, I benefited enormously from having a, a mixed assessment of 50% exams and 50% continual assessment coursework, some of which was graded by my teachers and others was graded independently or verified by the equivalent of the State Examinations Board. And yes, we need to protect the education system. We also need to ensure that young people get the best possible education and depending on the, the, the skill set of the young person, they get the best opportunity to develop Right. Some suit exams, some don't. So what I think needs to happen is two things. First of all, uh, artificial intelligence is a challenge and therefore we do need to ensure the Department of Education and the teachers' unions work to get up to speed, like third-level education or, or other uh, uh, jurisdictions, to address that. But that doesn't mean that... Not Should the discussion, have been used as a reason this is to, the point, to, to, but, to pause, but this to pause point, there, the idea there, of, of teachers assessing students' work. There shouldn't be work. a pause and it shouldn't be that the discussion continues. The actual preparation should continue. And I have sympathy for the teachers' unions because it's all very well the Minister saying she wants continuous assessment. But if she wants to have that conversation, whether with the State Examination Board or indeed mm. with teachers' unions, there's also an issue of resourcing. There's also an issue of support. All right. So I'd like to see... So you're happy the, enough then with this pause? No, what I'd like to... Absolutely not. What I'm saying is it is right and proper for the Minister to ensure that there's proper preparation for dealing with and protecting our young people in education okay. system against so, AI. Sounds like you're, sounds like you're reform, okay with the pause. But the reform of the Leaving Cert needs to progress in right. parallel, right. not stop while we wait for the outcome uh, of this investigation right, okay. into the impact I, of I want AI. to bring uh, Blonard White um, in on this. And um, Blonard, you are uh, Director of Strategic Learning at DCU. And tell us from your perspective, because ChatGPT, certainly, if we're talking about it coming into the classrooms, it's obviously very much in place in third level now. Um, uh, what, what, what are you doing about it at third level? And is it a case, because we still have, obviously, professors and uh, you know, teachers assessing students' work in that instance, and it goes okay. So are you managing it all right? So, well, absolutely. It's here. We're dealing with it. Um, it is disruptive. It is requiring a response for us so that we can protect the academic, academic integrity of our assessments. And that's been a huge and continues to be a huge body of work for us to redesign assessments, to evaluate what are we assessing in the first instance, um, and, and just to flag, I know uh, detection tools have been mentioned, but the National Academic Integrity Network is not recommending them at the moment. Uh, DCU is not using them at all Do at the moment. Um, so what we are trying to do is to work to redevelop our assessments such that ChatGPT or, or other generative AI tools, um, where it's not appropriate that they won't help in the assessment. So that we, we have two ways. We look at designing out. So if you consider using a calculator in primary school, children don't use calculators because we need them to understand the functions of maths that are used in a calculator. And then once they can have that, 
knowledge in secondary school, they can use a calculator. So it's somewhat similar with our generative AI tools. There are some places where we need students to understand the processes and the disciplinary techniques. And so we are designing out generative AI as a possibility for assessment in that space. But equally, there are spaces where it is a tool that does have possibilities, exciting possibilities, and our graduates likely would be using it beyond college. So in those instances, we're exploring how best to design it in to teach students about it, what it is, what it isn't, its limitations. And so we're trying to look fundamentally at where does where do generative AI tools have a place oh. currently? There is a huge restructuring of assessments in response that's happening across the sector right now. Okay, uh, more broadly speaking, Adrian, on AI, um, and I sort of joked, is it taking all our jobs? But I mean, like, is, is that the reality that we're sitting here asking us to pause, you know, things like leaving cert reform, and this is all gone way beyond that at this point. Has has our discussion about ChatGPT and how it's disrupting our lives gone way beyond beyond this? Well, I mean, first of all, um, I'm kind of surprised to hear that Dublin City University is not using or doesn't believe in detection tools for uh, for generative AI. And if the, that university has has indeed developed uh, uh, ways of assessing students while giving out projects or, or, or essays, um, which frankly are vulnerable to, to ChatGPT mm. and generative AI, then fair play to them. But that is uh, kind of slightly surprising. Are they reliable? Pardon me? Are they reliable? I mean, they say they're 99% reliable. A, a lot of, of I, there, are, there would be decent reasons to, to not to, to jump in uh, and use them in some situations. A lot of American institutions uh, would use them. I know that some other Irish institutions uh, informally would use them when, when grading uh, work because if we can't be in a situation where if you give uh, a project or an essay, whether it's second level or third level, when you assign that work, that you're oblivious to the fact that they might use ChatGPT as part of it. that. That is going to be part of the situation, particularly if you don't, um, uh, particularly if you don't monitor it. Your other question, you know, is AI disrupting our lives more generally? Is it going to take all of our jobs? Not all at once, no. Technology has never swept in and taken all of our jobs. Generally speaking, it takes time. Generally speaking, we work with it. Generally speaking, the value of jobs gets higher. That's very reassuring. Thanks for that, Adrian. Um, and thanks to Kieran and to Blonnet, who joined us on Skype. Coming up next, we look at the debate around a cashless society. Do stay with us. Jim O'Callaghan is still with us, as is Ono Brin and Adrian Weckler. I'm also joined now by Nat O'Connor from Age Action Ireland to discuss the move to make all public bodies continue taking cash payments. It follows a backlash against a recent move by the NCT to move to cashless payments. Thank you for joining us on the programme, Nat. From your perspective, you know, do, do I guess, do older people welcome this move, um, this promise around public bodies because what we had was the NCT who, who, who will say they will revisit their cashless decision if the government mandates them to do so. Well, we would very much welcome the government move to make all public bodies and all publicly funded services take cash. Because what we know is that many older persons prefer to transact in cash. Uh, and in fact, part of the reason is because many people are not online. They're not using computers or the internet. We know three in 10 people over the age of 60 
are just not using the internet. And another three in 10 have below basic digital skills. And so if you're not using the internet, you can't check your balance online, and so you can't manage your money. Mm -hmm. So people prefer to simply have control of their cash, they know where they're at. And of course, many older people are on a low fixed income. So managing your money really matters, and people put aside amounts of money to cover bills. And when it comes to a public service like the NCT, you have to do it, it's an obligation. And to be able to do it yourself independently, to pay in cash to receive the service, that's the basic that we should require across our society. Mm -hmm. Because if we make people go online, you take a whole lot of people and you force them to rely on others. You take away their independence, and that's just not acceptable. Is it at the very tenet of democracy? Is that, what, is that what you're saying about having the ability to use our currency, the ability to use cold, hard cash? Well, it's the kind of society we want. We already have a problem where people can't get a cup of tea because you have to go cashless, mm. or they can't book into a GA match because you have to go online, and they're excluded from that because the digital exclusion becomes a social exclusion. We know what we hear all the time, people on the phone are talking to people, that people are not going to matches anymore, or they're not going to certain places because you have to. They ha you have to have a technology that they don't have or they don't want to use. And that creates an exclusion in our society. So we have to think very carefully about, you know, we're accelerating towards this cashless society, or some people are, but, but what are we trying to get to? Yeah. It is true that we are accelerating towards this. You know, we had Michael McGrath saying that public bodies should maintain the current payment system until the completion of the national payment strategy. Mm -hmm. And that's going to really formulate how, how we proceed in society and whether it will be, I presume, increasingly cashless and whether that's OK. Well, that's, I, what, that's what states, the government's looking at. Well, in fairness to Michael McGrath, the announcement has meant that public bodies will have to accept cash now in the short term. For and now. For now, but obviously we, there's a strategy coming. But I would hope that the strategy will recognise, as Nat has pointed out, that there's a huge benefit to us retaining cash within society. Like, as cash is a legal tender, of course it should be accepted, not only by state bodies, but all agencies. Obviously, the reason why there's been an acceleration against cash is because of the pandemic and everyone started mm. using their cards incessantly during the pandemic. But I think it's not just uh, older people in that. I think there's a broad desire around society to retain cash. And obviously it may be easier for banks or it may be easier for businesses for there to be no cash involved. But I think it is an important fundamental principle for people that we have access to legal tender and we can use it and it's accepted. Otherwise, so we might as well just get rid of it. Yeah, I, I suppose that could be a bit like AI and inevitability, though, own, um, that we are moving towards a cashless society and that maybe it's a generational issue with older people that, you know, that, you know, who are not, you're saying, sort of au fait using technology in order to pay for things and they prefer to do it by cash, that this is actually just a matter of time before we see it. No, it's a policy choice. Uh, and, and look, as somebody who does a lot of, of my, my financial business online, um, there's enormous advantages to people uh, who are able to, whether because of their literacy levels or digital literacy levels, to avail of those services. Uh, and Jim is right, it, it isn't just uh, uh, people of a certain age. There's a whole different uh, set of people in our society who struggle with literacy, let alone with mm. uh, uh, digital literacy and access to computers. And those people can't just be excluded from uh, uh, our society. Maybe privacy issues yeah. as well, would you say? Uh, absolutely. And, and for example, one of the, 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 the things I won't do is I won't make transactions with my phone. I won't use any uh, phone apps for any of my transactions. Why is that? Uh, it's the one area where I'm still really, really uncomfortable with what happens to the data, how the data is mined. I know there's good advice from folks in the media about how to protect yourselves, but it's just... It's an area I'm still nervous about, about personally. 
But what I'd also say is this, is that it's also part of a broader trend because it's actually not just about cash. Mm -hmm. Increasingly, even getting a service has to be online. You can't ring up or go into a local or authority office or... There's a long wait. Or there's a charge. Yeah. So we All need right. to really think to make sure, yes, let's take advantage of these. Let's give people the choice uh, uh, to make it uh, the advantage of digital technology. Right. But let's not exclude people. Let's give them the choice whether it to use cash or access services through talking to a human being in person, all on right. the phone, rather than at the end of a computer screen. Okay, and you can you can be waiting a long time for that. We all know that. Adrian, um, isn't it true to say that it's exclusionary if you're moving towards a cashless society? There it, will get people who literally yeah, get left behind it can and be. can't Nat, pay Nat, for basic yes. services. Nat raises some excellent points about the people he represents. Own raises some really good points as well. I'm probably going to be alone on this panel in saying that broadly, overall, as a general sweep, it is a good thing that we're moving slightly more away from cash. Not to totally exclude cash altogether, but overall it's a good thing that we're Why? using more cashless. It's safer, it's, uh, it's um, more efficient, it cuts out a big part of the black economy. Sometimes I am a little bit, I question the stated motivation behind keeping cash. Um, I, I take the points cash, on cash board. Cash-only outlets, so you might go into shop little, and say, no, there's it's cash-only. Yes, there's yeah. a little bit of that uh, going. And the last uh, point I would make is, I would be aware, I, I think Nat makes excellent points, I would be aware, though, of assuming or infantilizing older people. I, I've come across this many, many times mm. with smartphones, WhatsApp, Facebook. Older people can use technology and they do adapt to things. So I agree with Nat's points and I agree with Owen's points about the, the, the issues of digital literacy. But I wouldn't assume that older people, you know, have no interest or have no Are desire to Are we in danger of infantilising older people, briefly not? Well, with it's ageism in Irish society, there's no doubt about it. I mean, when I say six and ten are digitally excluded, there's four and ten older people who are not, who are using the internet, who have smartphones. People are well capable, but there's many more who need support or who need, you know, support to even afford the technology okay. in the first place. All right, unfortunately... Crucially, crucially, at this point, it's about choice. All and right. the choice should be provided, particularly in public services. All right, there we'll have to leave it. We are out of time, unfortunately. Our programme is available as a podcast on all major platforms. You can also now find us on Instagram and on TikTok. But from all the late team here, good night. Take care.